Hi, I'm Melanie and this is Dream Chasers, the podcast where I talk to inspirational Australians about their journeys across the globe to follow their dreams. They're doing big, big things in the big, big smoke. So sit back and join me as I share their trials, their tribulations and their highest moments. It's an awesome ride. Today on the show, I have a very special rock chick. If you're Australian, you just might recognise. Leah Martin-Brown is the bright red-haired, Jack Daniels-wearing T-shirt singer that used to do the Australian musical festival, The Big Day Out. But today, she's in Los Angeles because in 2014, she got on the plane to chase her dream to sing in the bright lights of Hollywood. On the way, she's met celebrities, She's sung with the best and she's met the greatest female guitarist that rock has to offer. She's also played to packed out stadiums in Europe. It is a real pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Leah. No worries, Mel. I'm excited. That's quite a magical musical story. Thank you. So just to wind the clock back and start from the beginning, just to get a sense of you, the person and the performer, you grew up in Burley Heads, which is quite different, of course, to LA, the glitzy lights of LA. What would we see and feel if we went to Burley Heads, just for people that haven't been there? Super laid back, you know. Uh, it's a beach town. It's very serene. It's lots of families. Just, it's definitely the total opposite of where I ended up now. You feel safe, and it's just, it's a happy place, you know. It's the more time I spend away, the more I realize that I grew up in paradise. And so you grew up in this tight-knit family environment in this beautiful town. Did you have a musical family, like your siblings or your parents? Not really. I'm my mum's only child. I think my dad played a bit of guitar maybe once when he was younger and my mum might have played piano. But professionally and the way I am, no. No, I'm, I'm kind of the random one who just popped out. And they were like, oh, where did you come from? So you're like the musical prodigy all on your own. <laughs> and so you're a rocker now. The style of Ever Walks and your own singing is based on ACDC and hard rock. What were your early influences when you were little? What sort of popular music or rock were you listening to? We'd always have dinner parties, so my mum would be playing the Gypsy Kings, which I loved. And then we would listen to things like George Thorogood and the Destroyers or that song like Keep Your Hands to Yourself, that kind of older songs. I just always loved heavy music. I think, you know, my mum had some CDs buried around and I'd steal them to like put onto my computer to put on my iPod. And I remember hearing Paranoid by Black Sabbath when I was like 10, so before iPods, and just thinking like, wow, what is this? This is amazing. I want to do this. Was it the actual rock bait or the actual performance, you know, Aussie biting the head off the bat or? Paranoid, it's a very short song and at 10 years old, you know, you're 10. So, and it was super catchy. And then I remember listening to something else. It might've been Fairies Wear Boots or Sweet Leaf. And I just didn't get it at the time. Cause I was like, what are they talking about? Cause I was a very sheltered child. I didn't discover a lot of things until I was in my mid to late teens. <laughs> were you performing as a child, playing instruments and trying to sing when you were quite little? 
Yeah, I've always loved to sing and perform. I used to put like little shows on in my living room to like the Lion King soundtrack. I always sang and kind of wrote poetry. I've started playing the flute when I was seven. I didn't really think about the guitar because I, I wasn't surrounded by people who played any music. I just didn't see it. And then one day I just kind of decided, I was like, well, if I'm, I love to write music and I love to sing music. I was like, you know, how am I going to do this? I can't rely on other people. I was like, oh, I should learn the guitar. So I was 11 and I asked my mom, I was like, I really want to play guitar. Like, I, please, 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 please. And she was really supportive. She's like, cool. We went out that day and we bought like a it was an Epiphone nylon string that I learned on because it's better for your fingers to start with to build up the calluses and I didn't look back from there. Okay. And so as a teenager, were you sort of this redheaded rocker going out to gigs and stuff? My mum was very uh, strict on me, not in a bad way. Like she, I'd, So I wasn't really going to a whole lot early on in the teenage years, but she did take me to a lot of concerts. I think I saw the butterfly effect. That was my first one. You know, I went out to see Marilyn Manson. I saw Evanescence. I went to as many concerts as I was kind of allowed to go to uh, while I was in high school. But, you know, it's it wasn't until I started getting out gigging there and that I was able to fully like immerse myself in live music without parental supervision. The early stuff that I did with my first band, it started when I was about 14 or 15. It was acoustic because that's all I really knew how to do. Just thinking back to that time, one of your first gigs, did you have any kind of cringeworthy moments where you look back and go, wow, I can't believe that? Or I definitely think as a musician, you're always learning and growing. So at the times, even if I thought I did a good job, I'd probably look back now and go, oh dear God, what have I done? I do remember one show. I wasn't that young. I was 19. <laughs> and I was, I think it was at the Miami Shark Bar in like Burley Heads. You know, again, I'm, I was discovering all of these things by myself because at the time I wasn't really surrounded by a lot of people who were professional musicians. It was a lot of people like me who were just discovering. So I didn't know that I needed an onstage tuner, like a, a pedal tuner for my electric guitar when I was playing. So I was trying to tune my guitar on stage and it's coming through and it's going, bang, bang, bang. I can't get it in tune because I have the clip-on tuner. I'm like, what am I doing? That still sticks out to me because it was just such an amateur move. And so you went to Melbourne, actually. You started studying music at uni, well, music teaching. You actually ended up quitting. So can you tell us about that? I did a Bachelor of Popular Music on the Gold Coast. When I finished that, I went to Melbourne. Um, I was doing a Master's of Music Education. And I did that for a little while until the first semester was over. Doing a Master's degree, it, it didn't allow me to have a social life because I was working and doing my Master's at the same time. There wasn't a lot of time to get out and be musical. So I moved back to the Gold Coast halfway through my degree just because uh, I, I was just more passionate about music and chasing that dream. It broke my heart to leave Melbourne. I love that city. I, f I felt very at peace there. It is fantastic, especially for the music scene. And how are you developing stylistically as a performer at this time and evolving? I always listened to very heavy stuff, but I was, you know, I was also listening to like the Goo Goo Dolls and um, Matchbox 20 and Secondhand Serenade and Missy Higgins. Being in Melbourne, you know, it, there's an amazing rock scene. You know, I went through kind of a very dark period mentally. I was going through a really rough time from like my last year of university, which was 2011 through until, you know, all through 2012. So I kind of didn't want to write pop music anymore or like acoustic music. I love it, but it just wasn't, you know, resonating with how I felt. So, you know, I started getting into this darker mindset and I met Stuart Stewart from Brisbane. 
I was in his studio in and out from 2012 through until about 2013, just writing all of this new music, all of it being very heavy. Uh, you know, I look back on some of it now and I listen back to it. I'm like, oh, this, this is this is a demo. I should never have released this. Like, But at the time, it was just so different from what I was doing. And Stuart was great. I'm not talking about Stuart. I just mean me as like a lyricist. I was like, oh, I could have done better on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you know, that's kind of how it evolved there. But it was it wasn't quite where I wanted to go. I, it wasn't quite at that next level. And it wasn't till I got to LA and really started experiencing life, uh, both good and bad, that, you know, we were able to get to where we are now. Yeah. And so Los Angeles came calling and you had the opportunity to go to Muse Expo, a famous musical festival, which is held in the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood on the Walk of Fame. Can you tell us about or the opportunity there that you got to participate in that? I had started going to uni again. I was doing a postgraduate degree, which I was able to finish, which is nice. Um, but so I was there and it was only halfway through and I was also working at my uncle's real estate office. You know, my band in Australia, we'd, we'd been touring Australia. You know, we got to play the Big Day Out Festival, but I still felt very stagnant. You know, I wanted to be more. The day that I heard about it, I was in my uncle's office. I think most of the agents were out looking at properties. I got this phone call from my mom because my mom used to help me out with manager stuff because uh, she's wonderful. Like, I love my mother, but she calls me a lot, like all the time. And, you know, my uncle had even said, like, you know, because it's his sister, is like, stop calling her at work, Jules. She's fine. Um, and <laughs> she, she called me and it was like December 11th, 2013. Uh, she's like, oh, so guess where you're going to be on News Day? I was like, where? She's like, Los Angeles. I was like, yeah, whatever. She's like, no, I just got this email. They found you online. They've invited you to come as soon as you can. They want to work with you and develop you so you can perform at this big showcase event that's going to be happening in March. And I went, oh, my God. So I sold my car and I was on a plane on New Year's Day and I landed New Year's Day in America and it happened very quickly. <laughs> so. That whole moment of deciding to up and pack your bags and go to LA, can you tell us about that exact moment where it hit you and you thought, yeah, I'm really going to do this. I'm going to chase this dream. Honestly, I, I just, it was very surreal at the time and I didn't really process it. And I just remember just bursting into tears, just being like, oh my God, this is, this is happening. I can't believe it. And I didn't believe it would happen. Like the whole time I was like, no, no. Because, you know, you never believe something until like the writing's on the contract or whatever. My ex-partner actually came over with me to help me. And I just remember stepping onto the plane on New Year's Day. We flew out of Sydney and I was just like, oh my gosh. Because it, it was a big night the night before, obviously, because New Year's. We touched down here and I just was like, oh my God, it's here. This is real. This is This is not something that someone promised to me that got taken away. Like this is this is a real thing. Oh, my God. Being in that huge, glitzy city, could you give us a visual description of what it was like? Honestly, so January is always very cold and very gloomy in LA. As I mentioned, it had been a very big night the night before. So, he and I were a little bit dusty. You know, we got off the plane and I remember thinking LAX was terrible. I was like, you know, because the Brisbane airport's beautiful. I remember walking out of LAX and just being starving and being like, oh my God, this this airport is a shithole. They have updated it since then. This is We took a taxi and there was lots of traffic and I just remember being like, oh, this, this place is kind of gross. You know, I, I remember just thinking it was very concrete and very stark and very grey and it wasn't until I started venturing out more that I realised, you know, it is actually a very beautiful city. 
And what were some of those key challenges in those early days for you? Uh, I think, you know, there's there's little things that sound really silly and then there's also big things. You know, the little things are most people in Los Angeles don't have a washer-dryer in their unit. So I got to the apartment that I was temporarily renting and I remember saying to the person, like, oh, i got to do some laundry. And they're like, oh, well, down the street there was a laundromat. I was like, excuse me? What? What do you mean there's a laundromat? Like, I'm paying a lot of – like, where, where's my laundry? I know that sounds so ridiculous, but there were so many new things going on. The thought of walking to a random laundromat when you didn't know the area and I didn't have a phone at the time, so there was no Google Maps for me. And I was just like, what is happening? The loneliness was a really big challenge. I didn't know anybody except for obviously my Australian partner who came over. But when he left, I was completely on my own. I didn't really have anyone to socialize with. I didn't know the city at all. And I was very hesitant to go out by myself being a 22-year-old female in a foreign country. All I'd heard is that LA was dangerous. And I was like, I don't know what to do here. So what was that like performing at the Music Expo and this iconic environment in Hollywood? You know, it was so exciting, but I was super stressed out. You know, our manager was wonderful, but it kind of felt like if this isn't how they said it, by the way. Like, I'm not saying anything negative, but it's just like the way it was, it's pretty much like if you mess this up, you'll never have a career. That's kind of how it felt. And, you know, when I got to LA in the January, that's when I started Evil Walks. I'd only just written the songs with, with the producer and, you know, we're performing them on stage for the first time with a band that's never played live together. We've just rehearsed a lot and obviously rehearsing a lot is not the same. So, it was very nerve-wracking because it's kind of like a debut of a new project in a new town with new people. You know, everything's just new and exciting and it was just a massive, it was just a massive high. Yeah, quite different. And so, did you do some backup singing for some quite famous bands? In 2018, I got the opportunity to sing backing vocals for Johnny Depp and Joe Perry, who are part of the Hollywood Vampires, at this night called Soundcheck Live in Hollywood. I've sung lead vocals for some of the guys from Alice Cooper. There was just this new project that was released for Quarantine where I did some lead vocals and some backup vocals with Nuno Betancourt, Avril Lavigne. Oh, God, there's so many people on that. It's it's like 65-plus huge artists that all came together to raise money. So there's definitely like a lot of people that I've either worked with or sung with or had the opportunity to meet that I would never have got. And who's one celebrity that stands out to you as going, wow? I loved Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was so sweet. He was lovely. On stage, he kept turning back to us and saying like, hey, good job, girls. Like, we're just the backing vocalists. And he's like, yeah, good job. You're doing great. After the show, he came and met each and every one of us. He came and took photos with us. You know, he made sure the photos were good. He's like, oh, do you want another one? This isn't, you know, this doesn't have enough lighting. Are you sure you'll be happy with this? He just blew me away with how wonderfully nice he was. Nita Strauss, who's the guitarist for Alice Cooper. I've sung with her a few times. She's just awesome. You know, she's just got so much energy. She's so talented. I really respect her as a person. Um, She's sober as well. So that's really cool. So yeah, she's definitely someone that I really enjoy. Some fantastic performances and work with celebrities. What's been your career highlight since you've been in Los Angeles? There's so many things that I'm really like proud of and are definitely highlights. Picking just one is really hard. In 2015, we did a mini tour of Europe and we were able to play on the main stage of this huge festival. Um, it's called Poland Rock now, but it used to be called Pristanic Woodstock. And it's in this little town on the border of Germany and Poland. And we played in front of 250,000 people. 
you know, if you're talking about like big, big things, that would probably be one of them. Quarter of a million people. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. That is amazing. And so you've come from Burley Heads all the way over there. You're doing these amazing things. How has the Aussie spirit helped you to get ahead? Because so many other people fail. Uh, honestly, I feel like it's definitely like that hard yakka never give up thing. We just work and work and we try as much as we can. And also I think, you know, that whole spirit of mateship, like I became super close with my band. We, we all support each other, even in the tough times where it's like, oh, do I even want to do this anymore? You kind of look to your friends, you're like, yeah, I do. Like we've got each other, we can do this. Do you think Americans have got that same sense of mateship? I think Americans are very different from Australians. They're definitely very supportive of dreams. I wouldn't say they have the spirit of mateship. They have a different sense of community than we do. Uh, But, yeah, I I would be very hesitant to speak upon that. There's riots happening now. Was there a particular moment that you were just very frightened? Last night. My housemate and our friend and I live across the road pretty much from the Pan Pacific Park where one of the protest rallies were happening. We went and we did the whole march. Everything was very, very peaceful when we were there. And then about 3 p.m., we were coming back home. Then we saw police in riot gear. We heard loud banging. Something was definitely be shot. We're like, so we just ran up the street to our house and then the riot came outside our house. The hotel across the road, there was um, looting shooting things, lighting off fireworks, lighting off flashbang grenades, like chaos. You would have been really quite frightened, hey? I I can't really describe the emotion. I I felt like it was a war zone. And what started the riots? Can you just give us a bit of a rundown? There's so many things. People are backed up from the pandemic, but obviously there's a lot of rage about the oppression that's happening against black people in this country. From my experience yesterday, the only people that I saw starting any problems were the police. And so there's some of the scary things. What are you doing now? What's in the pipeline at the moment? So I was meant to be over in Stockholm kind of writing new music for the album for Evil Walks, uh, recording, and then uh, I was meant to, I think, go to Vancouver to do the actual recording. So that's what I'm supposed to be doing right now. But until everything settles down and borders open, I'll just be here trying to collaborate with as many musicians as possible. I've got a cover that I'm working on with a few other friends that we're putting together for online. Just, you know, little fun projects that can keep us busy and, you know, just keep us sane. What are your dreams for the future? What's the thing that you go, I really want to do that before I die? I really want to take Evil Walks to the next level. I want to be on the festival circuit. I want to be back on the radio. I want to be the person that people think of when they think of heavy rock female. Well, just heavy rock vocalists, not even necessarily female. I'm not where I want to be yet. (laughs) Do you think you'll ever be where you want to be or does your ambition have no end? Oh, my mum always says this to me. Um, Honestly, I'm not sure. I would like to think that I will get to a stage where I'm happy with what I've done, but I'm not sure because I always... I get what I think I want and I'm like, nope, next thing, next thing. We can't rest. We can't rest. You're not there yet. So I'm not sure what there yet looks like because I'm always trying to do better. Who's a performer that you just absolutely admire? I absolutely love Stevie Nicks. If I have to go back to original influences, I just think Stevie Nicks is incredible. She's a magical woman and an incredible songwriter and vocalist. She has a solo career. She has an incredible band. She would be something that I would try and aspire to be like. 
love a bit of steaming. <laughs> the people listening to this podcast are people that they want to follow dreams and maybe they just don't know how or they're too scared. Having done what you've done, what do you think is the main thing that they should know when they're trying to chase a dream in the, well, whatever they're doing, music industry or whatever? You need to have a clear vision of what you want and you have to truly believe in yourself. The only person who's going to get you to where you need to be is you. You can't afford to be scared. You can't afford to go, oh, but what if, you know, you just, if you really want to do it, you just have to do it. Because if you don't, you're going to be sitting there in 30 years being like, crap. Very well put, actually. Thank you. (laughs) And are there any parting words that you've got to talk about your life to date in a nutshell? I feel like going back to like my 11-year-old self and being like, hey, I want to tell you what's going to happen to you. So you're kind of prepared for it because I feel like I kind of went in blind. And I go back to maybe even my younger self when I was in my late teens and early 20s and just be like, you need to pull your shit together. It's going to be fine. I promise. And Leah, where can we find out about Everwalks and yourself and what you're up to? We're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, we're literally all over the internet. And then if you're interested in what I'm doing as well, because obviously Evil Walks can't do a whole lot uh, while this quarantine is happening, I have a website. I'm always on Instagram. So Adventures in Plastic Land is my tag. But yeah, just I am a hoe for the internet. (laughs) Well, I would love to check out what you've done and what you're going to be doing. But thank you very much for joining me. It's an absolute pleasure to be on here. Thank you so much for having me, Mel. Thank you. And I'm Melanie and this has been Dream Chasers, the podcast where I talk about inspirational dreams and talk to the Australians that are achieving them all around the world. If you'd like to see some of my other discussions with actresses, entrepreneurs, people in London or New York, please click on the left-hand side of this page. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Have a lovely evening, whatever you're doing. Thanks once again. Bye. Bye.